Hello, and welcome to Meanwhile in the Future. I'm Rose, and I'm your host, recording this week from the closet of a hotel room. Hello. Meanwhile in the Future is a podcast about the future. Every week, we take on a specific potential future scenario. Every episode, we start with a little trip to that future, before coming back to now and talking to some experts about what would really happen if that future were real. Make sense? Great. This week, we're going to the year 2089. Do you ever feel like you're falling behind, like everyone else is doing more than you? Do you watch your friends and neighbors juggle parties, work, hobbies, kids and pets, and wonder, how do they do it all? Their secret may be nonsumbula. Nonsumbula simply removes the need for sleep in your life, so you can spend those hours working, playing, or with your family. Imagine all the things you could do if you had 24 usable hours in the day. Side effects of nonsumbula may include runny nose, nausea, dry mouth, and constipation. If you are unable to sleep for 24 hours after taking nonsumbula, see a doctor immediately. Ask your doctor if nonsumbula is right for you, and imagine everything you could do. So in this future, there is a drug that makes us not need to sleep. There are some side effects, but nothing too major. Dry mouth, nausea, constipation, the usual smattering of side effects you hear after every drug commercial. And the payoff is huge. No sleeping. 24 usable hours in the day. To figure out what would happen next, I talked to two people who, it turns out, have a lot in common. I I personally resent sleep. And um, I think that it would be great if I could live that third of my life instead of being conscious for it. That's James Hughes. I'm James Hughes. I'm the executive director of the Institute for Ethics and Emerging Technologies. And this is Nancy Cress, a science fiction author who wrote a book called Beggars in Spain about genetically modified humans who are incapable of sleeping. Whenever science fiction does genetic engineering, they seem to go for the doom scenario. Clones will destroy us. They will be mindless machines. Crops will lead to to taking over the whole earth and destroying everything. We can't seem to look at the benefits of genetic engineering. I say that she's similar to Hughes because here's what she said when I asked her how she came up with the idea for the book. Well, that's simple. It was jealousy. I'm a long sleeper. I need between eight and nine hours a night. And if I don't get it, I get cranky and I don't function well. And I know friends who need far less sleep. And I have always felt life than I do, which of course you do, because if you're sleeping on an average, the average amount, you're sleeping 36% of your life asleep. And that's a lot. That's a lot to forego. Then I started thinking, well, supposing sleep at all, what kind of evolutionary advantages would that give me? I often wonder if the, the peons that you hear to sleep are like the peons that you hear to death. It's like when people find sleep or death inescapable, then the release that they see in those activities is tangible, especially sleep, because you wake, you know you're going to wake up again and you, and you know what it's like to be exhausted and you know what it's like to f- wake up refreshed. But, you know, if it's like saying, you know, God, it's so great to bang my head against the wall because when I stop, it feels so much better. Um, if we were to actually get rid of sleep or death, 
I think people wouldn't miss it very much. But anyway, go ahead. In Cress's book, Beggars in Spain, the sleeplessness is genetically induced. Her characters actually could not sleep even if they tried. What I wanted to do was to create a biological genetic change with no downside. The problem was the story, because you have to have some conflict somewhere. In the book, the sleepless have a huge number of advantages. They can stay up all night studying or investing or practicing for the Olympics, and their sleepy peers resent them for it. I won't give away what happens, but let's just say that there's a lot of tension between the small number of sleepless people and the rest of us who have to sleep. And you can imagine that, should this drug be real, there would be a whole lot of questions about whether or not it's fair for athletes or bankers or students to take them. But Hughes says that this kind of anti-enhancement pushback is perhaps the wrong way to think about it. I think one of the things that often gets lost in the moral panic question about the use of stimulant medications is most people in the pursuit of wakefulness are doing at least morally beneficial things, if not just morally benign things. So, you know, it's not like it's criminals who are trying to stay up all night to, you know, commit crimes. It's doctors who are trying to stay up to cure patients. It's parents who are trying to get through the day to make money and feed their kids. It's, you know, it's truck drivers who are trying not to run over people on the highway. I sometimes take more than my prescribed dose of Concerta when I'm driving long hours with my family. And my mother died in a car accident and I'm uh, fairly anxious about my driving acuity over long periods of time. So I find, even though it does make my teeth grind a little bit to take more than I should, uh, that sometimes I'll jack up on, on methylphenidate in order to do that. But even if, in the short term, people are using these drugs to do good, to drive long hours or to spend time with their families or to not be drowsy during surgery, Hughes admits that there's a potential for inadvertent dystopia, which is my favorite kind of dystopia. When I I was a Buddhist monk for a while, and one of the questions that kind of arose for me then was, what if I was just able to reach into my brain and turn off lust? If I, you know, if I had a chemical that I could just take, if I could just reach in and turn that off and never think about that again, uh, would I ever want to turn it back on again? So I think an interesting question about kind of productivity focus is if you decided that, well, I really want to make a million dollars by the time I'm 30. And to do that, I'm not going to sleep. And the only thing I'm going to think about is money. And you reach in, you, you make those tweaks to your brain. Would you ever want to go back in? You know, what would the motivation be to go back in to turn those things back on? To say, you know, I, now I want leisure. Now I don't want to make money anymore. Uh, once you've made those kinds of changes to your personality, uh, and they may be difficult to revoke, or to, you know, you may not find the motivation to revoke them. So I think this is kind of a dystopian scenario that we might kind of willy-nilly back into a future that we wouldn't have otherwise chosen. And you could imagine, too, a scenario in which bosses either implicitly or explicitly require their employees to take these drugs to stay awake and work more. But Hugh says that the way to stop that isn't by banning the drugs. It's by creating better worker protections. In fact, Hughes isn't convinced we should really worry about these drugs until they're incredibly powerful. So here's the scenario in which I still might worry. If there was a drug that cost uh, a billion bucks and it gave you a billion times more capacity to outwit other human beings, 
how whatever however you measure intelligence or you know slyness or like that then i would say that only you know governments should be able to figure out who should have access to that because that is like a weapon of mass destruction for society and it and it shouldn't be on the free market because it would just destroy civilization and and democracy as we know it but none of the cognitive enhancement effects that we're talking about are in that category. Right now, the wakefulness drug that most people talk about is modafinil. But modafinil isn't even close to being a drug that keeps you up for even a week at a time. But I took it as an experiment. I wanted to, to see if it would help me stay awake during a convention. Because again, being a long sleeper, I'm really a dud at parties. I tend to want to go home at 10.30. And in science fiction conventions, that's often when the parties are getting started. So I took and the problem was, it made me very jittery. And a lot of the drugs so far that interfere with sleep do that. They make you feel very, very jittery. And I don't know if this is an improvement either. Of course, I have no idea what other drugs companies or the military are developing behind closed doors. And they're almost certainly working on drugs that can keep people awake for longer stretches of time. But here's where we run into that pesky problem of human biology. I wrote that years ago. And more research has come out since then. And I'm afraid that both the drug and the genetic modification are simply not going to work. We're not going to have a world where because sleep forms so many more important functions than we knew 23 years ago. There are still a lot of questions about what exactly is happening when we sleep. But more and more research suggests that sleep is extremely important for both our brains and our bodies. Studies suggest that sleep deprivation can increase a person's risk of diabetes. Certain chemicals that help fight infection are released during sleep. And so are growth hormones. So as the more in the years since I wrote Beggars in Spain, the more I reluctantly come to think that we're not going to get there with a drug or with genetic modification, not unless we rewire the entire brain and end up in entirely different So perhaps it's time to give up on never needing to sleep, unless we want to go into a different kind of science fiction scenario. There's a whole bunch of stuff that goes on only during sleep, including all of the waste material cleared out of the brain. Things of things are carried away. Now, if that doesn't happen... The brain is just going to get clogged up with all of this stuff because it mostly goes on during sleep. And then God knows what we'll be able to do. We might be a bunch of stumbling around zombies. This might be a good way to... if you wanted to, do, to take it in that direction. The biology of sleep is really interesting, and we'll put up more information on that and on the various drugs that have been developed to circumvent it at gizmodo.com. A quick reminder that you can subscribe to Meanwhile in the Future on iTunes or SoundCloud or whatever RSS reading app you might use. For the links to all of those things, check out this week's podcast post on gizmodo.com. If you do subscribe via iTunes and you want to leave us a rating, that would be awesome. Meanwhile in the Future is a podcast from Gizmodo. It's produced by me, Rose Eveleth, with help from the Gizmodo staff. Our intro music is by Asura, and our outro music is by Broke for Free. Special thanks this week to Alyssa Walker. That's all for this Future. Come back next week and we'll travel to a different one. Thanks for listening. <laughs> <laughs>